Hello and welcome back to the Thunder Six Podcast. I am your host, Ben Kreider, and today I'm going to be talking about the recent Trevor Ariza trade, talking about Lou Dort and his contract extension, as well as the upcoming game versus the Atlanta Hawks. So without further ado, I mean, midday today, we found out something that kind of was the inevitable. I mean, there were rumors circulating that several different contenders were in search of veterans, George Hill or Trevor Reza. I believe they only name dropped George Hill, linking him to the LA Clippers. But with Trevor Reza, you still had to kind of tag him in there. And a deal got done. So Miami a team that kind of has been in the market for expiring contracts really since the beginning. I mean, whenever Giannis was in the potential market, you know, a guy like Trevor Reza would have been crazy to have $12.8 million expiring. That would be amazing. He's out the equation, but this is still a very decorated free agent class that you're looking at in the 2021 pool. So they clearly wanted him. Miami jumped the gun I don't know how many other people were trying to get a guy like Ariza, but the price was not going to be that high to pick up somebody who didn't even check in for a training camp. Anyways, Trevor Ariza got shipped off to the Heat for Myers Leonard and a 2027 second round pick. And really, the obvious reason you do this is because you get a 2027 second. You just add on to your future. Now they have 35 picks until 2021 and in the 2027 class they now have four different picks so they are controlling over 10 percent of that board obviously there's probably a very big likelihood you're not using all four of those but you can use that in potential package deals later on down the road so they have their own 2027 first round pick they have the houston rockets pick that they got this week off of detroit you have Indiana's second round pick, and now you add on Miami. So they kind of are on a roll. Any more second round picks up for grabs? You already know Sam Presti is on the phone trying to actively get them. So ridiculous how he's able to kind of add on. Now, in terms of what else you get, you get Myers Leonard, a center who has been out with a shoulder injury. He's not going to be checking in with the Oklahoma City Thunder. And with all the recent stuff going on with him, chances are we're never going to see him touch foot on the floor. I mean, going on Call of Duty Warzone, I think, getting killed by like a 13-year-old guy. I mean, whenever you're like a little kid playing Warzone or whatever, or whatever game it would be, yeah, you talk trash. But this dude's like 29 years old, and he's using racial slurs. Like, that is literally ridiculous. So... That $50,000 fine may not have been enough if we're going to be completely honest. I mean, you really cannot excuse a 29-year-old doing that kind of stuff. So he's been working with some Jewish organizations in Florida. So, you know, he's trying to learn, but it's kind of hard to justify doing that as, you know, a grown man playing a video game. I mean, this dude was saying, I mean, he was using like a anti-Semitic word that honestly, I don't even know if I've like, I don't even know if I knew what that meant. I think a lot of people didn't even know, but that was, you can't say that stuff. I don't know what the heck is going on with him, but yeah. And when you have an organization like the Oklahoma City Thunder, 
I have a hard time believing that they are really going to hold on to Myers Leonard because you had players on the table with troubled past. I mean, Kevin Porter Jr. literally looks like the inklings of a star right now with Houston. And yeah, he's pretty much able to play the entire game. He's like already the number one option, but he's averaging like 18 points. And it's not just coming from that. He's also distributing the basketball. He looks amazing. You know, Oklahoma City, even though we don't know for sure if they wanted to make an offer for Kevin Porter Jr. or make a deal, I mean, they could have done it because really they were just not even giving up a real price. I mean, the Cavaliers just wanted him off the books. Like, I think they, it was like a conditional second round pick or something. So he just got given away. Oklahoma City definitely could have done that. They didn't want to deal with someone with a track record. And I think that's likely the exact same story with Myers Leonard. So he's still going to be rehabbing in Miami. I think that's what all sources have kind of leaned to at this point. And I mean, with his deal right now, he is on a one and one. So he has a $9.4 million contract for this season. So, you know, you have that, but you can add on an additional year due to a team option and that's going to be for 10.1 million dollars now no one is going to pick that up so you're really just looking at a 9.4 million dollar expiring contract so you end up getting i believe what what would the difference be right there just a little bit over three million dollars out of your pocket you still have an expiring for later that is really just a name on the paper like he's not a real asset because He's Myers Leonard and he can shoot the basketball. It's because when it comes to money, and it's it's such a big deal because you are looking at a business here when you're talking about the NBA. Money means a lot. And with a contract that's $9.4 million and a guy that is not going to be around your team, yeah, I mean, a team looking to get an additional 9.4 mil to work with later on, they might actually want to use Myers Leonard in a deal. And I don't know if you're really going to garner much assets off of that. I know Trevor Reza, he's probably going to play for the Miami Heat. So there's a reason to give up that second. With Myers Leonard, it might be more of a hard sell. It's kind of like that Darius Miller situation, except I'd actually kind of suggest that Darius Miller could play at least in some sort of bench role for a playoff team. Myers Leonard just straight up can't right now. And I don't know if he would anyways, due to everything going on. But yeah, I mean... I think that if a deal were to happen, he'd really just be used as a salary filler. And this deal can be branched off of technically. So until it's like completely finalized and all of that, he could be added on to a bigger trade. I mean, we're looking at a March 25th trade deadline and it's rapidly approaching. We're coming close to a week until we hit that day. And trades are kind of just going to be flying off the board. I know that I've seen articles where it has... You know, the players such as LaMarcus Aldridge, John Collins, P.J. Tucker on these like hot seats, like in rumors and whatnot. So, yeah, I think there could definitely be some bigger trade that could be orchestrated where Myers Leonard actually doesn't even go to the Oklahoma City Thunder. And instead, you kind of patch him up into a team that needs money later down the line. And hell, if you can get a second round pick out of that, that is a slam dunk play but pretty much you are just getting an extra second round pick for holding on to a 35 year old for really i mean i guess there was a reason because you did get your end goal 
But really, he didn't provide anything for the team. You take your second-round pick and you run with it, to be quite honest with you. It was either that or, like, James Johnson. I think we had him. Or we could have had him for, like, a day or something. Then, you know, he went to Dallas. We got Trevor Reza, yada, yada, yada. You guys know the story with him. He's been traded so many times. Trevor Reza might be the most traded player in NBA history, to be quite honest with you now. But, yeah, I mean... His story's been wild. He's going to be with Miami. He's going to be adding on to some of the championship culture they are trying to cultivate. You have Udonis Haslam. He's probably like 45 years old at this point, but he's a three-time champion, so it all works out there. You have Avery Bradley from the Celtics days, and I believe they have one more champion, if I am not mistaken. I think it's Andre. Yeah, Andre Iguodala is on that roster. My bad. So they have three champions there. He makes it a fourth. And you're trying to make a, another shot. I mean, get to the finals kind of as a sleeper pick. Total sleeper pick, actually. Seems like they're getting it back together. I mean, they were seriously at a point this season where all of Houston, Oklahoma City, Miami were in the bottom bracket. And OKC was actually above both of them statistically. They have risen up. I think they're actually the 500 mark. And they're looking to make a push into the playoffs. So they add on Trevor Reza. He's going to give you the veteran minutes necessary. And... You know, come playoff time, he can show up for you. So I actually think this is a pretty good deal for Miami. I think a 2027 second round pick probably means nothing in the grand scheme of things for them if they are trying to make a push right now for a trophy. So I think it's good for them. They also get rid of Myers Leonard, a player who I don't think, you know, a lot of people would be too fond of having on their basketball team right now. So it works out for them. And in the Thunders part, I mean, you're getting that second-round pick, which, you know, Presti clearly loves those. And you get a guy with Leonard who he's not going to play. You know, at at worst, you end up not picking him up for his team option. But maybe you could try to attach him later on. And if not, you can actually just waive him and use the stretch provision if you feel like it. I mean, with a $9.4 million contract, you stretch that over like four or five years, and it's really not going to look too bad on the overall payroll you're kind of looking at a Patrick Patterson Kyle Singler situation where they're you know they're on the payroll you kind of just chuckle at it but it's not going to burn your pockets that much and we're not trying to contend right now so I don't think it matter that much even if you did it up front or in you know two three years honestly so they can mess around with that I think the reason that you would try to do that instead of waiting is because you have Moses Brown, a two-way player who needs to be upgraded. He needs to be put onto a real contract. He needs to be part of the future. Everyone knows that. And with him being a sophomore, maybe it changes the d- dynamics of things because with Lou Dort, it was a slam dunk. And same goes with Deontay Burton. Rookie in the league, you get him on a rookie scale contract. I guess that might remain the same for someone who's never had a real NBA deal because Brown has only had two contracts so far. One of them was a Portland Trailblazers two-way, and now he's on a Thunder two-way contract. So maybe you could try to do a rookie scale thing, but it'd probably be along the lines of that if you ask me, and then you would try to have his rights whenever he hits free agency. But yeah, I think that you have an absolute gym, and you're going to have to try to tinker around with this lineup moving forward to open up a roster spot and I think honestly this is something that I was kind of discussing like you may just want to end up cutting Myers Leonard right now and if you don't get him out by the trade deadline yeah you just cut him because there are a lot of guys in the G League who definitely deserve a call up and a two-way contract 
pretty much is a one-year deal. They cut the 45-day restrictions off. You can play in the playoffs right now, and I don't think it's going to matter for the Thunder. You never know, though. So you can get one of these two-way players, and it's a one-year deal on like an 100K salary. It's pretty ridiculous how it's working out. So you move him out, a 29-year-old Leonard who doesn't have any future with your franchise, and you look at the pool of other players. Omer Yurt 7 has not been signed. You're looking for centers. Stretch 5 gives you at least some sense of another guy to build around. I don't know if he would adapt as well as Moses Brown did. I do think that probably for the style of play that the Thunder are playing, it would be a little bit awkward because as I've said, and you guys can check all the blue recaps, he really is more of a sluggish guy like an Al Horford. Kind of has some inklings of being a stretch five in this league. If he can get a consistent shot, I'd say take a flyer on him. And when you need a center, it would make sense to at least take a look at a guy like your seven. Outside of him, you also have players, and this is just the blue because they were very stacked. You have guys like Melvin Frazier Jr. who, you know, with all these kind of wings that you're trying to bring together, I don't know if he would make the overall cut and crack the rotation, but he's a project piece, 24 years old. You also could try to take a shot at someone like Rob Edwards, sharpshooter. You bring in Shvi Mikhailuk. If he's not doing it for you, sure, why not try to throw someone like Rob Edwards in the mix? Former Arizona State product. He shared one season with Lou Dort, so you get a little bit of lineage coming in to the roster. Or someone like Jalen Horde, too. He actually impressed later on, and he is a six foot eight point forward. You can never have enough of those kinds of players. So I think that, you know, if they want to go this route of saving as much money as possible, sure, you just let it sit out and you don't have to worry about $9.4 million for the entirety of you know, the future. And hell, I mean, you're already going to pay the guy 9.4 if you can't deal him. So just do it in all one bunch and add 100k with another two-way deal, you know? So I'd say logically, that'd probably be the safest move on their part. But yeah, I mean, Myers Leonard, with him being hurt, there's no way he's going to see time in Oklahoma City. It's going to be another Trevor Reza spot where it's kind of just wasted. And we may just see him gone because I think Ariza... Truly, he was only there because the aspirations and the goal, end goal with him was to get a future pick. And I think that's kind of mutually what was accepted between the two. It worked out. He got it in, you know, South Beach. He's going to be working fairly well with the roster they have over there. And I think Oklahoma City, you know, they got out of this pretty well. They waited a long time for the oven to heat up, but they finally baked up Trevor Reza, got him as a valuable asset shipped them off, and they were able to get at least something to work on in the future. So that's kind of my take on it. I think that it was probably a pretty solid deal all around. You know, Miami wants to make their push. Oklahoma City, they want to collect for later in the future. Myers Leonard, you just kind of tack him on there, and you kind of see what the future would be for a guy like him. But yeah, uh, I, I like the move for Oklahoma City. Get yourself another 2027 second round pick for nothing at all. Such a Sam Presti thing to do. I don't know how he always does it, and he's doing it with random players such as Trevor Ariza. Anyways, moving on to the next kind of story that we had. This came just hours after the Trevor Ariza announcement, and this was about Lou Dort. So Woj broke the announcement on the Trevor Ariza deal. 
he breaks the news again. He was on fire today. Lou Dort, he got extended to 2023. Pretty much what this means is the last two years of his rookie scale contract have been secured. And typically what you will see is people will exercise someone's rights after every single season. So you get done with your first two years, you exercise the third. After the third, you exercise the fourth. They just want to do it in one heap. They want to let the world know that Lou Dort is here to stay. So he's going to be locked up for, you know, two more seasons. After the 2022-2023 season ends, he goes in restricted free agency as probably like a 24-year-old, I believe. And you'd probably end up matching him if the stars are still aligning. Because as of right now, he definitely is one of the main players. But Lou Dort, I think you guys all know really what happened with him. He didn't get drafted, heard all 60 names in the 2019 draft class. Sam Presti gave him a a call like immediately afterwards offering him a two-way spot he took it immediately and it was amazing ever since that happened he only played 13 games with the blue I remember specifically he had a 35 piece in one of his earlier games with that club and he never let up in those games averaged near 20 points 19.5 points 5.1 rebounds and 2.7 assists across all of those that is really good in terms of G League numbers and even when you look at some of his defensive categories he was not too bad in those either I think he was averaging over a steal and when it came to blocking pretty good for a two guard so whenever Billy Donovan and just the Thunder organization they didn't have anyone to fill in at the two they had to bring Lou Dort up and he shined I remember I think his first game was against the Minnesota Timberwolves loose ball like a minute left pounces right after it, gets a timeout off, pretty much sealed that game up, or that was the most pivotal play, I think, from that one, and he kept going with it, and by the end of the season, well, yeah, by the end of the season, there was no other option but to sign him fully, and this was around, you know, the coronavirus, like, this is around the the coronavirus time where the season was actually suspended when he got his extension and I think it was on his mother's birthday actually too June 24th of last year is when he inked his deal 5.4 million dollar contract over four seasons so you know just clamped up on James Harden for seven straight games had that 30 piece to end it all up I'd say it was a pretty good use of you know one point some odd million and then for this season you're two out of four getting paid roughly around the same amount and he is crushing it not just on the defensive end because that is what he was known for last year but offensively he's really just come into his own and he's had more up and down games than I would say some other people like you'll see him not be able to make a three-pointer and then the next game he's hitting you the game winning shot pretty wild with him but shooting around 33 percent from there and overall he's putting up 12.4 points, 3.6 rebounds, and 1.6 assists across his 37 games where he has all started. So he's built a name for himself. Of course, you're going to give him the extra two years. So in the next season, he's going to be making 1.78 mil. A year after that, 1.93. 
that is not too bad at all. He's getting paid less than Kenrich Williams, and he has become the third member of the Thunder roster who is guaranteed for the 2022-2023 season. The other two, Al Horford and Kenrich Williams. Al Horford is on that monstrous contract. He's going to be making, I think, 26 $0.5 million and Kenrich Williams making a clean $2 million on the dot. It is subject to change because you don't know what's going to happen with Al Horford. You don't know what's going to happen with Kenrich Williams. You know, you love him to death, but that's the thing. He's already 26 years old. He's going to be 28 whenever that contract ends up. He'd be amazing for a playoff piece, but do we really think by 2022? We're going to be contending for a title. If not, maybe Sam Presti pulls the trigger on another deal. He'd be getting some real return, to be quite honest with you, because he has been great off the bench. He'd be great with anyone's bench. So he could get moved. Same goes with Al Horford. So I'd say he's probably the only surefire guy locked up. And, you know, obviously this comes with, you know, like some some punctuation marks all around it because you have all the guys on the rookie scale contracts who are going to be extended through, you know, 2022, 2023. You have Shea, you have Darius still not really on the books for that season. They're going to get picked up in restricted free agency. So you really should not be that worried about that. I just thought it was kind of cool that they, you know, chose to do this right now instead of going the typical route where you just exercise year by year until you hit the restricted free agency and that's when, you know, you start getting the money up. So, you know, seems like a pretty clear-cut move here. I mean, Sam Presti kind of threw a curveball with the Hamadou Diallo trade. I wouldn't really say with Trevor Reza it was a curveball, maybe like a fastball or something because it kind of just came, like, really quick. We knew yesterday that Trevor Reza was on the market via the athletic post, and now he's already gone. So pretty wild what happened with him. This one, just, you know, smooth smooth pitch here. I think we all kind of expected something like this to happen down the line. So he's just trying to stat pad. He's just like Russell Westbrook, man, getting those rebounds when Steven Adams had him right here. Yeah, Sam Presti, he just wants to have the most transactions of this trade deadline period. And hey, you want to get some freebies off of extensions? Go right ahead. So he does that. He already has three in the week. I don't think there's been any other real moves happening with other rosters so far maybe whenever time progresses we'll see a lot more deals circulating do have a lot more time i guess you could say a lot more time kind of keeps ticking day by day not much action one of these days it's just gonna erupt and oklahoma city probably gonna be involved in that volcano but yeah just expect something like that to happen down the future okc only having three moves i guess only two trades there's going to be more to come from this, and you still need to look at the Mike Muscalis here. I mean, he was not playing in the last game. He played two games ago for a brief stint of time, but he's not in the regular rotation right now. Moses Brown has taken those minutes, so he is, by all accounts, on the trade block. If someone wants to give up a second-round pick to get Moose, they're going to get They're going to get him. They're going to get Mike Muscala, Moneymaker Mike. 
He'll be pitching in some double digits performances off of the bench. You also got to talk about Justin Jackson. I know he's a little bit young, but he would still be on that block. I would assume Darius Miller definitely in that conversation. George Hill, who is definitely going to get moved if there's already, you know, outlets saying that people are interested in him. It would just make so much sense for something to come up in these next coming days. And then you also can take a crack at someone such as a Darius Miller and Al Horford who could be moved around. So it's not like this whole entire roster is kind of set in stone right now. And you even have a guy like I said, Kendrick Williams. The only people that are really secured are like the 23 and under guys who have a future with this team. So that's that's Shea, that's Lou, that's Darius. I think Darius. I've heard people speculating like, you know, maybe Presty would move Darius. I don't know entirely about that. I think that's more of like, you know, I don't think that would happen, to be honest with you. I don't think you'd give up on Darius basically when he's looked pretty good in a lot of these games. So you have SJ, Dort, Darius, Poku, Maladone. You have Moses Brown now, who has, I would say, established himself. Ty Jerome, he's not going to be moved around. That's seven players, and I'd, I'd say that's about good. I probably missed someone in that mix, but I think that's probably the grouping. Oh, yeah, Isaiah Roby, too, of course. How can I forget him? So that's eight guys you're not looking to move around, and everybody else probably is fair play. So we're not done selling yet. Sam Presti is not hanging up the phone until the final second of this trade deadline so get excited for that moving on to just the game preview though i'm going to be a matchup against the atlanta hawks at 6 30 central time this is a little bit of an early game kind of enjoying the later starts to be quite honest with you but they're going to be going up against the atlanta hawks they are 20 and 20 right now and they still are kind of doing pretty good and DeAndre Hunter, I don't think he's expected to play in this game, but you don't want to rule it out. I believe that he has been progressing pretty well. Even without him, though, the Atlanta Hawks have been just on fire. They have won the last six games, and they have won seven out of the last ten. Now, you could kind of take this with a little bit of a grain of salt because the people that they played as of late have not been that good. They have had defeats against the Houston Rockets, the Cleveland Cavaliers, the Kings, Raptors, Magic, in Miami Heat. And then your two losses before that, Miami Heat and the Oklahoma City Thunder, actually. So it has not been that long between their last meeting last month. So they're coming in. They are still going to be very, very hot. And Danilo Gallinari, he's probably still the pinnacle of this team you got Trey Young and John Collins but outside of him Danilo Gallinari has been amazing he had 29 points in his last game against the Houston Rockets and I don't expect him to be shying away from the basketball in this game Trey Young has been putting up some video game numbers as per usual with him and John Collins is still the 20 and 10 machine that you've always seen and Clint Capella my goodness I think he's leading the league in rebounds right now. He's averaging over 14 a game. So if he's getting a lot of time, you probably should be getting a little bit weary about what is going on with him. For the game, though, 
this is not going to be a night where you don't have a true center. Al Horford is not on the injury report. He had this little rest on Tuesday, which was a little bit suspicious, kind of puts him on the radar. And I said, if something like this happens again, where he rests, not on a back-to-back set, he's probably getting traded. I'd still say he's on the market, but he's actually going to be playing in this game, unless something does change. For the players that you know are going to be out, Darius Baisley still is out with his shoulder contusion. George Hill, you know he is going to be gone. And then Josh Hall, he's still out. We have not seen any action from the two-way player in a very long time. So really want to see Josh Hall. We never got to see him in a blue uniform outside of like a 15-minute spurt that didn't really produce anything at all. So he's still rehabbing. And then you have a lot of guys who are kind of questionable here. Lou Dort, questionable. Teo Maladon is also going to be questionable for the game. So that opens up a lot of minutes. Let's say if Dort is not going to be in action and if Maladon is not going to be in action, this is going to be another night where you are missing three out of your five starters. That means Pokachevsky probably gets launched into the limelight again. Isaiah Roby might get another shot. And with that two position open, you're looking at Ty Jerome or you're looking at Kenrich Williams trying to take those minutes up. A little bit sad that Al Horford's not going to be resting though because after Moses Brown was putting up ridiculous numbers, you would think he has to start. And maybe, just maybe, Mark Dagnalt recognizes this and you would have Al Horford on some type of minutes restriction. Now, I know it would sound definitely sketchy because it probably is, but you can't just let someone drop 20 points, 16 rebounds, and 5 blocks, and then just completely phase him out of the starting unit. You need to keep him together, see what goes on with the SGA Moses Brown high ball screens, because Clint Capella is not fast for a center. You know, there was a reason the Houston Rockets had to get rid of him when they wanted to go entirely small and just three-point heavy. He didn't fit the bill for them. And it's because he's so flat-footed. Moses Brown is not like that. If you put Moses Brown and Clint Capella in a race, it's not even going to be entertaining because Moses Brown is just going to completely outrun the man. There's going to be nothing to look at for the entirety of that contest. It's already going to be predetermined damn near. So if you get him in high ball screens you're going to have a lot of success. Now, if John Collins slides over to the five, you get the fireworks show ready because John Collins would be one hell of a matchup to place against Moses Brown. Now, Moses Brown, seven foot two, gets the height advantage, but John Collins, he's not like a Lori Markkinen. John Collins is bouncy. He will get up there and he will make it tough for a guy like Moses Brown. So that would be probably the ideal matchup I would want to see out of this game. If he's coming off the bench, it's going to be a completely different story. You probably don't see much contact between him and Collins, him and Capella. Probably still would play a solid amount of minutes from the game, though. I would actually kind of think that, you know, maybe Moses Brown could be playing again. But you never know. You never know how it's going to work on who will be starting. It seems like it's always going to be changing around and... I would probably hope that Moses Brown is going to get that starting gig. Last time someone had 20 points, 15 rebounds, and 5 blocks was in 2014. 24-year-old Serge Ibaka stepped onto the floor 
It's like, you know, mid-January, I think, against the Houston Rockets. You know who the Houston Rockets power forward was? Terrence freaking Jones, man. Terrence Jones, a guy who was great in 2K, didn't really translate to the basketball floor. So I think there was a big discrepancy in opponents whenever Abaka went off and Moses Brown went off. Moses Brown was going up against Wendell Carter Jr., Laurie Markkinen, two pretty established guys in the league. No disrespect to Terrence Jones. I mean, he was pretty solid for a couple seasons, but you know, he's not better than current day Wendell Carter Jr. or Laurie Markkinen right now, and even Thad Young when he was trying to defend him. So I'd say it was probably more impressive for Brown. He's going to be going up against some bigger players though, so maybe he will see a little bit more grit to him. He's going to have to work a little bit harder to try to juice up those points, but the way he's been playing, he is so confident. doesn't matter if you put Clint Capella around him. He's still probably going to get eight offensive rebounds and make him look like a little kid because that's just what Moses Brown does. You look at him, you're like, oh, he's a stocky seven foot two kid. There's no way he's going to do any damage to you. Wait until that final buzzer, see what he's putting up on the stat sheet. I mean, there was not a lot of ball movement in the last game, but Moses Brown gave you that placebo effect of thinking the Thunder were passing all night long. They only had 16 assists, but the eight offensive rebounds Moses Brown was doing, he was pretty much passing to himself the entire game. That's why it looked so deceiving when you looked at the final box score. He is that kind of dynamic and you definitely want to see him working up against the best whenever you know that Al Horford likely is not going to be in your long-term plan. So we will see what goes on. You still want to see how SGA does. Ty Jerome, want to see him work, and he did pretty solid. Lexi Pokachevsky in the last game was not that great. They just didn't give him as many touches as I would think you'd give a guy who came off a career game. Like, first quarter wasn't even seen as a viable option. I think that kind of would mess up his mojo a little bit. He had seven first quarter points in the Grizzlies game. Only got to shoot it once, but at the end of that, two of nine, nothing that spectacular from him. So I'd want to give him the ball kind of early, give him the Darius Baisley treatment where you let him be the main guy and just go off from there because, you know, if he gets hot, he is going to be locked in all game long. Outside of those guys, Kendrick Williams has been beasting. Also want to see how a player like Shvi would do if he gets the minutes. And I'm surprised he didn't play in the last contest because you're down 20 points pretty much that entire fourth quarter and he was never called upon. Now that kind of makes me believe they don't really want to roll him out yet. There's a system they want to get ingrained into Shvi Mikhailuk before they're going to give him a real role with this team even when it comes to the tiniest of minutes Justin Jackson and Darius Miller have been here for months and they still are primed for every single second Mike Muscala he's kind of been put in that role too so there's three guys who know the system down to a T that aren't getting minutes Svee is a newcomer it will take some time to adjust into the system now he's more of a catch and shoot player so I think it all works out for itself but you don't just want to throw a guy in immediately because a bad start could set you up for a pretty bad future. You don't want to do that. So I could see them maybe rest him out for the entirety of the road trip and maybe try to work on him, get him in some action a little bit later down the season. But that's kind of my take. I was like, you know, why wasn't he playing? I'm assuming that is why. But anyways, you're probably not going to see Svi. If you do, that's going to be amazing. You know, you did get some practices in, but between that last game, you had that one day break. So maybe that's enough time to 
get him adjusted to everything with the roster. But yeah, I mean, it will be fun to see with this game. This is going to be one where seeding should come into play yet again. Oklahoma City, right now, they are 12th in the conference, but they're actually tied with the New Orleans Pelicans. And I'm talking record-wise. The Pelicans have the tiebreaker, though, so they are the 11th seed. But if they win and the Pelicans lose, you are looking at a completely different kind of standings. And from the Thunder's perspective, you know, you're not actively trying to lose, and they're making it close every single night. But if you really want to lock into some of these top guys, you can't be winning, you know, every other game. That's going to leave you in this kind of position where you are stuck in the no man's land. You're stuck in that Sacramento Kings position. Now, they're actually doing not that amazing this year, so they kind of dislodge themselves from that area. But when you're looking at a 10 selection every year, it's not as great. And when you have a top five that is so prosperous as it is this season, you want to be making sure you get as much kind of ping pong balls going into your favor. So a loss in this game would actually put them in a position where they could slide down into a tiebreaker for the Kings 13th spot. They are 16 and 24. They have an upcoming game going on on Friday. They're going to be going against the Boston Celtics, but you get that one day break in between, kind of see what comes out of that. So a little bit of implications. I think this one more or less so you just want to kind of see what you have in the roster and hell maybe Moses Brown is able to get a start despite Al Horford being active for the game so that's really what I'm pumped up for I think you guys should be too I'll be there for a game recap if there are any seismic trade announcements I will make an emergency pod I was thinking you know maybe I should get one out for Myers Leonard and Trevor Reza deal but it's really just about a second round pick so I'll hold that off. I don't think an eighth grader is that breaking kind of news, but I don't know. Maybe you guys would be into that. If there's any other trades, if I think it warrants an emergency pod, I will get it out to you. Other than that, though, guys, that is going to wrap up today's podcast. I thank you all for listening. Hope you have a great rest of your day, and I will talk to you all tomorrow. See ya.